Hello, and welcome to Real Talk About Real Identity from Axiom. This podcast is devoted to important identity trends and the convergence of ad tech and martech. I'm Kyle Holloway, your podcast host, and I'm joined by our co-host, Dustin Rainey. Real Talk About Real Identity is focused on exploring the convergence and related disruption of martech and ad tech from an identity practitioner's lens. You know, Dustin, I recently read in DigiDay where Charon O'Kane, CEO of Wirecorp and the general partner at startup investment fund First Party Capital, said that the impact to ad tech M&As are having will be the erosion of scaled audience buys across the open internet and that this will result in a, quote, bifurcation of the open web. In one camp, there will be utility publishers that will seek to outsource their ad tech capabilities, while more mainstream publishers will seek to operate as a mini walled garden. You know, as we continue to see publishers and brands shift to, you know, first party data and the importance of that, there seems to be a natural shift towards an almost, you know, kind of Monroe doctrine regarding their properties. Publishers won't get involved with other publisher affairs. Walled gardens would not interfere with other walled gardens. No other walled garden would be established. Unilateral actions are taken as hostile. I mean, I know that's a strained analogy, but it seems to fit with the level of protectionism the walled gardens have shown, thus creating a, if we can't beat them, join them mentality across much of the digital publisher landscape. You know, the challenge is going to be finding ways for the walled gardens, large or small, to work together to enable scaled audience buys. What's your thoughts, Dustin? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's super interesting, this push from, you know, moving to, I guess, what we would all call the easy button, these cookie sinks uh, from publisher to publishers. Brands are looking to find new audiences and publishers are looking to monetize and, you know, their their content to now this kind of very consent-based, you know, who has really control of data, ownership of data, ownership of the relationship with with customers. It seems like there's a whole kind of new race that's happening here. And, and I think it also puts a lot more emphasis and pressure on, especially on the publisher side, you know, on the content and the value prop, right? And, you know, the services that are being offered. Uh, where do I want to consume content? Who do I want to give my identity to? So super interesting for sure. Uh, Really, that leads us to our next guest on the show. Today, we are blessed to have Gio Gardelli, Senior Director, Ads Targeting, Identity, and Trust at Yahoo. Hi. So Gio, welcome. Yeah, welcome to the show, man. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Thank you for having me today. Super excited to be here with both of you. Yeah, we're super excited to to have you. Um, it's so good to speak with you again. Um, I know you and Kyle have actually had a, the chance to to speak together here recently in kind of a, a joint talk around kind of the, the things we'll probably be talking a little bit more about today. We're really thankful for you joining the podcast. And I know our, our listeners are going to be super excited to hear what you had to say. We always love uh, kind of a an insider voice uh, from especially your your neck of the woods, you know, media. So why don't you start by giving our listeners an update on your background and kind of what led you to your role at Yahoo? Uh, absolutely. I've been my entire career in advertising. I started before programmatic was a thing back in the mid 2000s in the glory days of the ad networks. Mm. For those who remember the first platform I worked on was Right Media, the tech that enabled that networks to to trade and operate really. So 
lots of buttons and levers to push, <laughs> lots of spreadsheets and, and Excel reports, probably as many as today, actually. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no no real-time bidding, no no programmatic trading. We had, uh, I was at Yahoo back in the day, and you know we had a team of media buyers who would literally pick up the phone, call publishers, and ask them to send a certain amount of inventory over our ad network that we could monetize. Anyway, and I was in the operations team running performance campaigns uh, for for advertisers. Um, and that's really where I developed an interest and passion for, you know, targeting and optimization practices, if you will. And I I went down the rabbit hole and, you know, <laughs> boy, was that deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that led me to a switch to product management. I moved uh, with Yahoo to the U.S. back in 2014 and helped working on the DSP when we launched it back then. After a couple of years, I I left for uh, Snapchat. So I went from the open RTB world to the world garden world. Mm. When you know when Snapchat started building its own ad tech in house, and over there I was way more focused on uh, workflow and buying tools for advertisers. I was really missing the the whole targeting side of the <laughs> of the advertising equation, and uh, uh, and so when an opportunity presented itself to come back at uh, at Yahoo uh, with a targeting role. I took it without thinking uh, twice. And so I've been back at Yahoo for the last three years overseeing targeting identity and uh, and trust with a heavy focus on uh, the disruption happening in the uh, identity and consent world and how we can future-proof our business and help advertisers and publishers to keep trading ads with each other. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, love... Love your story there in the background, and certainly, um, yes, you've been down some deep, dark holes uh, in the ad, <laughs> ad tech world, um, and and that foray even into kind of the walled garden side. I mean, that's great. We'd love to, you know, kind of hear more of your take on that. And you know, as we kind of talked at the beginning there, kind of about this sense of potentially kind of the bifurcation of the open web to kind of the haves and the have-nots around identity or around, you know, just the ability to manage, as Dustin said, you know, kind of own the data and manage it and to monetize it. Certainly Yahoo in its kind of recent iterations of Verizon Media and then into your current state is in a very strong position. What is your take kind of on that view of the world? How are you guys looking at it at Yahoo? Yeah, absolutely. I I would agree with you. I think we're very well positioned to, you know, evolve our business and help advertisers and publishers transition. You know, since the very early days of ad tech within Yahoo, we always had this concept of a of a person uh, mm-hmm. identified as, you know, a login, right? We have hundreds of millions of users logged in globally. And so all our stack from, you know, ad serving to targeting, optimization, identity, had this concept of a login ID or a person ID built in it for over a decade. And actually, I think we were one of the first companies developing integrations with companies like Axiom to onboard offline data 
uh, into you know into the digital world and and provide this new dimension of audiences and segmentation to advertisers. I think you know the first uh, integrations we developed were as early as like 2008 or nine. It wasn't as important then, I feel, because you know of the predominance of you know the usage of cookies and and device IDs as identifiers that were like ubiquitous and like very easy to use for you know any ad tech company but as the focus shifts back towards you know logins and registrations we found ourselves being 80 percent there already mm-hmm. in terms of you know how how the product should look like and how it should behave and so really when we started investing in uh, in yahoo connect id we actually found that again the foundation was already in place and all we had to do was make some tweaks to our products to enable publishers, advertisers, and partners on, you know, measurement and activation side to integrate with us more seamlessly. But in our buying and selling tools at the core, we're already supporting this this different kind of identity. Uh, And so it's been a very easy, actually, I don't want to say easy, but a a fairly smooth uh, transition and evolution for us. Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, just thinking about my personal experience with Yahoo, like I, going back to college, like the late '90s, right? I I've had it, my my Yahoo email address. I think I you know I actually have my name. I, it's kind of rare these days when you wow, yeah. own your name as the Yahoo email address. So you all have been collecting and had you know a kind of a, like you said a foothold in the the PII world and had been providing value in a lot of different ways to be able to obtain those types of things. Um, I think it's cool, like just kind of going back to your title. One, it's like senior director adds targeting identity and trust at Yahoo. Like to have those three things combined and it just seems like the right thing, right? It takes identity at the center to enable ads targeting, but it also requires trust on the other end. So you are in product. Can you tell us a little bit about just your title? Um, how did you how did you guys come come to to, to that that name and and I just I think that would be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So the the team historically was predominantly focused on just user targeting. So anything our ad servers needed to know about a user, you know, the targeting team would provide. We were not focused on other kinds of targeting, you know, contextual, where each ad server would just, you know, have their own uh, integrations with vendors for geo-targeting, techno-targeting, carrier targeting, weather targeting, and so on. And that was it. Then identity started becoming important, I would say maybe seven or eight years ago with the explosion of mobile. Uh, And so the need for cross-device targeting and measurement. And so the targeting team expanded into identity with this first focus of enabling cross-device, again, targeting and measurement. And the addition of trust is actually quite recent. And we have found that uh, there's quite a few synergies between those products, as you mentioned. First, targeting expanded beyond just user targeting. We saw... Uh, a need to consolidate uh, all context as well, not just user dimensions. Uh, and so we centralized our content contextual, our geo-targeting, our techno-targeting, and so on under one team. And then we saw that Trust had a very similar uh, focus just on the exclusion case instead of the inclusion, right? Especially when it comes to content contextual, right? Advertisers want to target pages that have specific content and you know intent that is aligned to their products. But they also want to exclude pages or or websites or apps that are not aligned with their their brand or are too sensitive. 
And so, you know, the, the two use cases are very different. Again, one is a targeting use case, one is a brand safety use case. But the technology uh, and the products we're building behind the scenes are 90% the same across both. And so we found a lot of synergies between uh, targeting and trust. And uh, just a few months ago, we, you know, we decided to have those teams join each other and start unlocking some of those synergies and learn from each other. You brought up, obviously, contextual, and that's a big conversation right now, right? Especially in the targeting of moving many, you know, considering moving away from you kind of people-based and more into this contextual model. How have you guys kind of reconciled that or, or molded the two together? I mean, you talked about kind of bringing it all under one, which is a great start to that strategy. But what's the overarching kind of methods you're using? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first... One thing I like to do every time we talk about context is to define context. Uh, and I say it because a lot of times there's this implicit uh, understanding that context equals content. And for us, context is much more than just content. We we believe that anything that is available in real time in another request that does not require to know the user is context, right? The location in which the user is is contextual. The weather at that location mm-hmm. is contextual, right? The device and the browser that the user is using to, you know, interact with the con- with content and generate another request is contextual. And I say it because, you know, when 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 people look at just the content side of contextual targeting, I actually th- think it's very limiting. The hard truth is that people don't spend their day reading about the best credit card they can get <laughs> or which hotel to book when they go on vacation next. Most content, which you know, is interesting to users for it, you know, on a day-to-day basis, is actually not really aligned with advertisers' intent. Right? People spend a lot of time reading just generic news, politics, communicating, playing games, and that content is really not that useful to advertisers. But when you start layering all those other contextual signals together, then we believe there's much more value to be unlocked. So that's our thinking on the contextual side. When it comes to the how we believe we can unlock this value, we actually think there's a lot of synergies between identity solutions and contextual solutions. Uh, Yes, we believe there's going to be a bifurcation in the programmatic space uh, with supply being addressable and supply not being addressable. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we believe the solutions that can help advertisers and publisher trade will have synergies between the two. And ultimately, we think that there's going to be a portion of supply that will remain addressable, and that will be the most valuable supply for publishers to sell at a premium, but for advertisers to you know, preserve addressability, preserve advanced and sophisticated targeting and measurement, and learn about you know, how their performance is, uh, is tracking. Uh, and we see that as a panel that advertisers can use to then learn and project those learnings on the remainder of the supply where addressability cannot be preserved, but you know, uh, onto which the buying can be informed by this you know panel of addressable users and addressable supply. Uh, so we really see those two words as you know distinct, but also uh, synergic, and we're building solutions that help advertisers leverage what they know about the addressable word and, and project those learnings on the non-addressable. Simple question. I'm not sure it's going to be a simple response here. But <laughs> addressable versus contextual. 
right? I mean, ha- have you seen a winner uh, and are you seeing a shift or like as it relates to, to actual performance? I mean, what, any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I'm going to respond with a, a third uh, answer that you <laughs> give me. So I think it's a trick, but I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll take advantage of that. We think that neither will be a winner on their own. Uh, we right. think the winner will be a combination of the two. Ultimately, advertising works with auctions, right? And and we right. know addressability tends to have better performance because of the sophistication of the methodologies you can apply for targeting a measurement. But as that pool of supply shrinks, prices are going to skyrocket right. because the competition is going to increase dramatically, right? We are one of the lucky publishers to have the majority of our supply coming from logged in users. But when you look at you know the average publisher in the United States or globally, their login rates are below 10%, some mm-hmm. in some cases below 5%. So when you take the same amount of dollars and try to spend them on 5% of the supply, <laughs> prices go up. And when right. prices go up, performance goes, goes down. On the other side, you have you know the rest of the supply that becomes unaddressable, trades at a heavy discount, anywhere between you know 30 to 60% depending on which industry report you are uh, you are reading what well, what we see at yahoo is kind of in the middle around the 40s 50s but it's much harder to buy because it's harder to target and it's harder mm-hmm. to measure we believe ultimately the advertisers who will win are the ones who will find a way to use both at their advantage right, right? and use the yeah. supply that is addressable and will trade at a premium as a way not just to target those users on a one-to-one basis but also to learn and then apply those learnings on the remainder of the supply that will actually be trading at the discount and so even if it's harder to target and measure the discount and the, the, the lower cpms will actually make it just as effective in our opinion and we're actually starting to see some of those results in our own ad platforms. You know, we have uh, launched Yahoo Connect ID uh, as our solution for addressable. Uh, we have recently launched NextGen solutions as our uh, solution for the non-addressable world. And we're starting to see that advertisers that tap into both really unlock those synergies, unlock incremental reach and unlock cost efficiencies. Hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned their Connect ID. Can you give our listeners kind of a little more synopsis on on what Connect ID is and how potentially they could take advantage of that? Sure. Connect ID is Yahoo's identity solution for the cookie-less or identity-less world. It is built on the foundation of our logged-in users, right, where we have uh, an email address uh, and additional data about a user. And it comes with... Uh, a lot of rich signals that Yahoo users provide to us when using our products and services, right? The vast majority of our users have age and gender attached to their profile, declared by them, uh, rich, you know, mail data, search data, and content engagement signals, and so on. So it's not just an empty folder of, you know, a, a user ID uh, and an identifier that comes with it, but it also has a lot of audience data. And it is available exclusively on our DSP and our SSP, but we allow any advertiser, any publisher, and any data partner for measurement and activation to integrate with Connect ID and uh, become interoperable with us and enable trading at scale. So to date, we have over 11,000 uh, unique publisher domains that have deployed Connect ID across our ecosystem, including 
publishers like BuzzFeed, the Arena Group, which is uh, formerly known as Mavens, uh, Cafe Media and Mediavine. And we have seen increases in CPMs on uh, publishers who have you know, deployed ConnectID as up to 80% because of a better addressability. And we also, on the demand side, we have over 1,200 advertisers that have already uh, activated their first-party data through ConnectID by uploading um, hashed emails into our system. Um, and last but not least, we have a few dozen partners that help us serve our customers in areas where uh, we can support them as well as them, like Axiom, uh, which uh, which helps us on uh, activation and, uh, and and measurement and helps advertisers providing this unified view of their campaigns and performance across all channels. Uh, and so we have we have been really focused on uh, you know driving adoption on all three fronts and expanding our you know our capabilities more and more. And obviously, you know, you mentioned Axiom. We're we're kind of the the one at the the end that you talked about there, and the the partnerships that kind of help enable some of these connections. When it comes to leveraging, you know, partnerships like that, like, can you help our listeners kind of understand maybe a little bit about how we work to maximize those opportunities and connecting, you know, advertisers and publishers and things like that? What would you say has been kind of one of the better ways that we've kind of worked together to inform and connect this new ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the uh, one thing that is really important for us is to make sure that we remove as much friction as possible from our tools for advertisers and publishers. And so the the integration we have with with Axiom enables advertisers to activate on their data or use uh, third-party data that Axiom provides with no code, right? The segments can be onboarded into our platform with, you know, I'm sure just a few clicks, the integration between the Axiom ID and Connect ID happens behind the scenes. We take care of that through APIs uh, and the segments automatically show up <laughs> in, our, <laughs> in our platforms to be targeted. That's the, the first, you know, great piece of the integration. And again, we take the complexity away uh, from yeah. our users. Uh, and the second piece is on the measurement side. When advertisers want to have a holistic view of their uh, campaigns across all channels beyond just you know the activity they have with us and our buying platforms, we want to remain open. We want to be as open as possible. And so we provide impression logs back to Axiom, rekeyed off of an Axiom ID already, and enable you know Axiom and and your customers to perform a third-party unbiased cross-channel measurement outside of our walls again in an automated way. Uh, that takes the complexity away from the users. And all of that is enabled by our interoperability framework that enables companies with their own ID to match their ID to ours and then talk to each other and send information back and forth. So I kind of call it like the the Rosetta Stone of identity, <laughs> right? Where we have this translation layer between the different IDs and we can understand, oh, you know, your user 12345 is my user a, B, C, D, D. So every time I see A, B, C, D, I see I know that it's one, two, three, four, five for you, uh, and vice versa. And that enables us to talk to each other, really. Yeah, wow, that's great, and it is refreshing because I mean, obviously, you guys have such a a large platform and reach uh, with your capabilities, but to have that interoperability and that that view of really enabling brands to continue to really kind of take the best of breed of both. Like you were saying, you know, both the addressable and then 
bringing in some of that contextual aspect and overlaying the two even um, to do that. And Axiom partnering with you all to bring that to our clients, you know, has been a great value add. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface of what we could talk about because there's so, I mean, it's such a rich topic area and, and I know probably have a lot of other areas we could go into, but unfortunately we're coming near to the close of our, our episode today. So talk a little bit, let's, uh, we always kind of end with a final question, you know, which is around the future. So projecting out 2035 and what is the consumer engagement look like from your perspective in that time frame and you know is it kind of scarier more Orwellian type future or do you see you know brighter days ahead for publishers and advertisers and consumers to um to interact i'm optimistic by nature so i i definitely see a, <laughs> a very bright future ahead of us by 2030 2035 i believe we will have sold some of the transparency and consent mm -hmm. issues that are top of mind today. I believe there's going to be much more awareness on the user side around the value of their data, the control they have, and the value exchange uh, with, with publishers and their offerings. I think there will be more choices. I think you know users will be able to control their data and control their experiences and how they want to exchange it in exchange for services from, uh, uh, from publishers. And I think publishers would have done... And the ad tech ecosystem in general would have done a much better job by then to articulate the value of letting us use your data in exchange for keeping products and services free. I see a future that has more, again, more transparency, more consent, and more awareness where those problems are not problems anymore. They're just things that we, you know, we solved and, uh, <laughs> and we have moved on to the next, uh, the next challenge. Love that. And it's always good to hear those good positive views of the future. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I think we're uh, certainly aligned on there. You know, we see a lot of, of great innovation coming. And, and times like this, when there is uncertainty, you know, new opportunities arise. And, and it's great working with companies like Yahoo that are really looking at the consumer and putting them at the center of all that you're doing and, uh, and then helping brands to be able to connect there. So thank you. And that does bring us to the close for today's episode. So Gio, thank you so much for joining and taking the time to share your wisdom with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And uh, it's great to hear uh, your insider view. And so um, I know that we're going to probably tap into you again, uh, you know, in future Absolutely. episodes to uh, explore some of the other areas that we didn't get to today. We didn't talk so, about the metaverse, Kyle. I mean, come on. I know. I know. We gotta, <laughs> I'm sure Yahoo's got something going in the background. <laughs> so we'll definitely have a, a metaverse centric session. Yes. And, uh, we can talk about because um, advertisers are are going to be in the metaverse. And so uh, I know we can figure some out to talk about. So I um, do want to thank all our listeners for joining us and for information about the podcast and to find previous episodes, please visit axiom.com slash real talk or find us on your favorite podcast service. And we look forward to releasing another real talk about real identity episode in the near future. Good day, everyone. <laughs>